Thank you so much for joining us for today's podcast. We'll get started in just a moment. If this is your first time here, please consider subscribing so that you may stay up to date with the latest podcast. And if our podcast brings value to your life, please consider sharing it with family and friends. Thanks for listening. And now here's today's podcast. Thanks for joining us for the Covenant Living Broadcast with Pastor John Butler of Covenant Life Church, located at 130 Atlantic Avenue in Bremen, Georgia. We're going to be in three different places today, two different books, three places. So 1 Corinthians 4, 1 Corinthians 4, and, and then 1 Corinthians 12, and then we'll also be in James 1. You're like, John, that's too much to remember. Okay, so go to the Version Bible app and you can search this church, Covenant Life Church, and all the notes are there on the, um, on the Version Bible app. So you can download those if you want to and follow along. 1 Corinthians 4 and verse 2 is where we're going to start today. It says this, Now a person who is put in charge as a manager must be faithful. Look at James chapter 1, verses 16, 17. So don't be misled, my dear brothers and sisters. Whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God our Father who created all the lights in heaven. He never changes, never casts a shifting shadow. And then back to 1 Corinthians, this time in chapter 12, verses 6 and 7. God works in different ways, but it's the same God who does the work in all of us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us. Nobody got left out. So we can help each other. Let's pray. Father, thank you for a chance to be here today to help each other. And I pray that we follow through on that. I pray that we do that. Lord, because we need you and we need each other. And I pray that we find both today. Lord, help us to hear your word and not just hear it, not just understand it, not just acknowledge that it's the truth, but actually put it into practice in our lives because that's when you command the blessing. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We started a couple weeks ago uh, on a, a series called the Surrender Series. Um, it's a bunch of different things as we go through the series. When you look back on it, you're like, wow, that's a, that's a lot of different things. But I think what, um, what ties them all together is, is the fact that it requires surrender. And these are things that the Lord's been dealing with me in the last months of last year uh, for this year. But what ties them together is that surrender. So we're going to dive into something today that will hopefully cause us to examine our motives and our paradigms and our ways of thinking uh, about about a, a variety of things in our lives. So I'm, I'm going to kind of dump all the big picture principles out at the beginning and then spend the rest of the time trying to apply those principles and concepts to three uh, different but related areas of our lives. Okay? So we're just going to kind of jump in. Y'all ready? Okay. Well, after more than five decades of life, here's one thing I can tell you for sure. Control is a facade. You're not really in control of much of anything. Control is a myth. Control 
is a trap. Control is unbiblical. Control is unhealthy. Control is ruining ministries and churches. Control is destroying your relationships. Control is crumbling homes around the country. Control is stealing your sleep. Control is crippling your mind. Control is derailing your relationship with God. Let me sum it up this way. Control is killing you. Control is killing you. Control is your effort at bringing order into a disorderly world. It's how you try to make sense out of the senseless. It's how you try to guarantee an outcome in an uncertain world. Control is a self-fabricated drug that soothes a fearful and arrogant mind. Control appears to be strong and courageous and full of faith when in reality it's weakness and fear and pride in disguise. Control is the linchpin of religion. It's the character attribute of a Pharisee and a hypocrite. Let me say this again. You're not really in control of much of anything. And you are certainly not in control of anyone. Have I got your attention now? God has not called you to control anything except yourself. And that's not even possible except for a gift of the Spirit called self-control. Everything else that we may have responsibility to or authority over, he has not called us to control it. He's called us to steward it. One of the passages that we read to begin with translates steward as manager. Stewardship or management is not the same as ownership. Just look at your paycheck every week. Not the same. Stewardship is about surrender. You recognize that it's not yours to do with as you see fit. The real owner gets to make all the decisions and your role as a steward or as a manager is to carry out the will of the owner. Right? There are a lot of things um, that we have to steward or manage in our lives, but today I want to talk about the big three. The big three, okay? Time, talent, treasure. Or, or let me say it this way. Your ability, your availability, and your investability. Those are good gifts, right? If you have time and you have some money and you have some talent, that's good, right? Say yes. Just say yes. I'll move on if you'll just say yes. Okay. I try to do the easy questions up front. Those are good things. If those are good things, then they were entrusted to us by the Father. And he, they were given to us and, and so we can leverage those things for the kingdom. But if we aren't supposed to control those things, what are we supposed to do with them? 
Well, the knee-jerk reaction is to just go to the other extreme and say, okay, fine. So I surrender. I just give up. I'm just going to go with the flow. I'm just going to take my hands off this stuff, just going to sort of abandon those areas of my life. No. Chaos is just as big a ditch as control. That's just as opposed to God's will for you as control is. The cornerstone of good management, of good stewardship, is faithfulness. You have to be faithful. There's no quit in a good steward. God's not calling us to quit. He's not calling us to abandonment any more than he's calling us to control things. The healthy middle ground between chaos and control is stewardship. Let me put it this way. Stewardship is the position of surrender in the life of a believer. It's the recognition that anything that I have is a gift from the Father and it's to be used at his discretion and at his direction for his glory and for his honor and the advancement of his kingdom. He's not asking us to surrender responsibility, just surrender control. Again, the modern equivalent to stewardship is management. When you're a manager, you realize it's not your company. These are not your employees. They're not, it's not your equipment that they use. You're just managing those assets for the owner. The things are gifts to you to steward for the benefit of the company and the owner. The time, the talents, the treasure that we've been given in our lives are the same way. We leverage everything we have at our disposal for the benefit of the one who gave those things to us. I've heard it called open-handed living. And I like that concept as long as we understand what it means. So it's not the closed fist of control, but it's also not the chaos of just hands off. It's that we hold things loosely and when the real owner asks for something, you open your hand and give it. Can you imagine a manager telling the owner of the company that he couldn't do a certain thing or he couldn't have a certain thing? It's his stuff. He can do what he wants to. He can run the company straight in the ground if he wants to because it's his to do that with. So, and I'll spend some time, and now we don't have to worry about that with God, right? He don't run nothing in the ground. It's always good. It's always the best plan. But we have to learn to release control of it. Now let's spend some time talking about how these principles apply in in these three areas of our lives. So let's start with treasure, our financial resources. I don't think we've really talked much about giving since right before the pandemic. Um, So it's something the Lord's been dealing with me in the latter latter part of last year. and And I think it makes sense in this context of surrender. Living a surrendered life means becoming more like Jesus every day. Would you agree with me? The reality is God's a giver. So if you're going to become more like Jesus, then you're going to have to become a giver because he's not just a giver, he's the giver, right? Everything good in our lives comes from him. We didn't earn it. We didn't even think to ask for it. He just gave it because he's a giver. 
And if we're going to be more like him, if we're going to surrender our will and our ways to his, then we're going to have to learn to be givers. And listen, not grudging givers, generous and joyful givers. Would you agree with me that's God's goal for us? All right, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, he said, you must decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. Part of the problem with the subject of giving in churches is that too many pastors have tried to manipulate people into giving gifts and now they resent it and they're holding tighter and they're retaining control because they don't want to be manipulated in church. I get that. Paul got that. God gets that. He said, don't give it reluctantly. Don't give it in response to pressure. If you're being manipulated into giving, don't give. Why? Because God loves a person who gives cheerfully. Cheerfully. That particular passage was, was talking about a special offering for, uh, for persecuted and needy believers in Jerusalem at the time. But the principle of joyful giving, of generous giving, can be seen throughout Scripture. And it certainly applies to tithing as well. And we don't talk about that uh, enough in, in that sense. We don't talk about the joy of tithing. And so, so let me try to put this in context. Tithing means, if you, you'd like, you just wandered in off the street, you're like, I don't, I've never heard the word tithe in my whole life. And I get that. Tithing means giving 10% of your income to the work of the kingdom. Giving 10% of anything is significant. Would you agree? 10% is a big deal. Tithing is a milestone. But too many people see it as either a millstone or a capstone. They see it either as a millstone or a capstone. And, and the, the, both of those attitudes are about control. Some people act like tithing is a huge, heavy millstone, like it's the hardest and most horrible thing to be asked to do, that it's an obligation that they grudgingly subscribe to. It's a bill to pay to God. That, that control mindset makes you believe that all the money is yours, but God is forcing you to squeak out 10% to give to him out of obligation or shame or pressure or guilt or whatever it, is, whatever it is that we use when we talk about tithing. It's not joyful for sure when you see it as a millstone. It's, a, it's just a huge millstone that you have to drag around. Like, oh, I got a tithe this week. <sighs> right? Other people see it as a capstone. It's not a millstone. They, they willingly give, but they cap off their giving at the tithe. They give that tithe, that 10%, and then the other 90% is theirs to do with as they see fit in their minds. I've even heard it preached that way. And I think both of those perspectives are flawed because either way it's about control. When you see tithing as an unreasonable obligation, it's because you want to control 100% of your money. If you see tithing as the end of the conversation, financially, it's either because you were taught wrong or because you want to control 90% of your money. Listen, the middle ground of surrender is stewardship. It's understanding none of it's yours. It all belongs to the Lord. 
You're just the manager. You're just the steward of his stuff. He's not splitting the money with you 90-10. It's all his. Even after you give the tithe. You say, but I'll earn that money. That's my money. Yeah, you earn that money with God's breath in your lungs. And with God's strength in your bones. And with God's abilities in your mind. And with God's favor on your life. So listen, you go ahead, tell me how you're a self-made man, a self-made woman. But be sure that you subtract from your story every good and perfect gift because every one of those things came from him. Some people give uh, the tithe out of fear, not out of joy. I've seen people that are superstitious about tithing. There's a passage in Malachi that says that Israel was under a curse And that tithing breaks the curse. And that was a specific message delivered to the people of Israel at that specific time. They were required under the law, under the Mosaic law, to bring their tithe to the storehouse. And they had knowingly and willingly stopped doing it. That's the source of the curse. Your life is always cursed when you knowingly and willingly disobey the will of God for your life. That spiritual principle still applies But Jesus fulfilled the Mosaic law. We don't tithe because we're obligated by the law. Tithing started way before Moses was even born. We tithe for the same reason Abraham tithed to Melchizedek. Because we love God and because we're grateful for God's blessing on our lives. We give it joyfully, not out of fear. I've come to realize some people have more fear of the curse than faith in the blessing and the blesser. God has always blessed givers because they have his heart because he's a giver. Sowing and reaping has always been a thing. When you sow, you reap. And how did Jesus say it? Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Don't tithe because you think you have to. Don't tithe because you're afraid not to. Don't tithe because you're obligated to. Tithe because you're excited you get to. Not a, but listen, not as a fundraiser. Not as an investment strategy. Not as a means to an end. His blessing is a benefit. It's not a motivation. You see it as a milestone on your way to a lifestyle of godly generosity and surrender. But listen, don't let it be a capstone and don't let it be a millstone. It all belongs to him. Open-handed and surrendered living is not about being sloppy or chaotic. He wants you to pay your bills. (laughs) Nobody amen on that. (laughs) Like I'm open to other options. No, he expects you to pay your bills. He wants you to take care of your family. He expects you to, but when he nudges you or challenges you to give more and to be more generous, that's part of what surrendered living looks like. Remember the first week, it's about surrendering your rights. That's what surrendered living looks like. The fear that comes from, that that you feel in those moments, the fear that some of you are feeling right now because I'm talking about tithing and giving is the fear of losing control. 
It's the fear of losing control, the fear of not having enough, all of those things. And listen, as a reforming control freak, believe me, I get it. I get it. Don't give in to the fear. Don't give in to the fear. Live a surrendered life in the area of your finances. Now, enough talking about money. Let's talk about something pleasant. Let's talk about time. Okay, well, that's not any easier, is it? Uh, Maybe the only thing a bigger mess than our finances is our calendars. Just check the pulse of the person beside you, if you don't mind, just before we get in there. Um, Time is a limited resource. That's becoming clearer and clearer to me every day that I live. And unlike money, you can't make more of it. Once it's gone, it's gone. A man named C.T. Studd said it this way 150 years ago. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. We've all got the same amount of time, but we use it in different ways. So let me ask you this. What are you doing for Christ? If only what is done for Christ will last... What are you doing for Christ? How are you investing the time that God has given to you? Are you stewarding the time that you have? Are you controlling it? Are you just releasing it? Just letting what happens, happens? Here's a sobering question. If God opened a ministry door for you that required five hours a week, it was going to bless a bunch of people change those people's lives. But it was going to be five hours of your time a week. Do you have that much time available in your current lifestyle? Is there any margin in your calendar at all to be responsive to the voice of the Holy Spirit? If all our time is God's to use as he sees fit, why do we schedule every waking moment of our lives chock full of stuff to do? This may be the only time in history that you wish I would go back to talk about money now. When's the last time you asked the owner how you're doing on your time management? He said, well, listen, I got control of my time. I got control of my time. If God wants me to do something, he just tells me and I'll schedule it. Okay. All right. I get that. But did you ask him what's on your calendar that he wants you to stop? Everybody talks about making a to-do list. What about a to-don't list? What are you doing you need to stop doing? Where are your priorities misaligned? So we get this. We understand this from a financial standpoint. We're like, yeah, we have wasteful spending. We, We spend money we don't really need to spend. You spend time you don't need to spend too. We just don't want to talk about that. Our priorities get misaligned. Which, which activities in your calendar are legitimate business and which are just busyness? You remember at the beginning we talked about all, all, all the things that control does in your life? It destroys relationships, it steals your sleep, 
It robs you of your joy. That control is an unbiblical and unhealthy trap. That applies to how we spend our time as well. We hold on so tightly to the idea that all our time is ours and we can do with it what we want. But our inclination is to stuff it full of activity designed to entertain us or to make us better or to give us a leg up or to make us more productive or whatever it is that we're trying to do. There is a real thing in our society called FOMO, right? Fear of missing out. And it's just ramped up because of social media, but it's, a, but it's a real thing. We're afraid somebody else is going to get to do something we don't get to do. So we do everything. If we see somebody else does it, we got to do it. We're afraid they're getting something we ain't getting. We think we're missing out on something. Whether we can afford it or not, whether we got the time for it or not, bless God, we're doing it because they did it. And they were smiling in their social media pictures. And I want to smile. So I'm going to go do it. Let me tell you something we don't talk about enough. Your time does not belong to you any more than your money does. Every day on this earth is a gift from God. Ephesians says we have to redeem our time. Jesus said, we have no ability to add a single moment of time to our time here on the earth. Not a second to our life. Only he can do that. So how can we deceive ourselves into thinking we're in control when we're so clearly not? We have got to surrender our time to Jesus. It may be time to lay our calendars out before the Lord. Did anybody just moan? Did anybody hear your neighbor moan? Lay our calendars out before the Lord and go through every activity and ask him if this is his will for us. Just because it's a good thing don't mean it's a God thing. I've spent a good bit of time on this in my life lately. and, And let me tell you, God's got some stuff to say about it. And it's not just me. I'm, I'm trying to learn the lesson now, but your time's coming. If I got to take a whooping, you getting one too. That's how this works, in case y'all didn't know that. We'll talk, we'll, we'll talk about that. But where on your calendar do you schedule time to rest your soul and your body? Where do you schedule time to spend with your family doing things that, that all of you enjoy? Where, where do you schedule time to spend in the work of the kingdom? Because you've been alive long enough to know if you don't get it on your calendar, it don't get done. Forget fear of missing out. I'm afraid I'm missing out on life because I'm trying to do too much. And more than that, I'm more and more convinced I'm shortening my days on this earth by trying to cram so much junk into them. Here's a question that I've been asking myself, and I'm going to ask it to you, and it won't be the last time. How much longer do you think you can keep up the pace of life you're living right now? before you have a physical or mental or emotional breakdown. Our lifestyles are making us sick and stressing us out. And it is not God's will for us. But we don't slow down long enough to ask him. 
Surrender doesn't mean you get up every morning and just see what you feel like doing. We're not like a bunch of hippies. Right? Put your shoes on. Take a bath. Cut your hair. Yeah, it's not like you just get up. Well, I might show up at work. Might not. Might keep my appointment. Might not. That's chaos. That, that's not a God, Christ, a Christ-centered, God-pleasing kind of life. That's just, that's hands-off nonsense. You're just letting it ride, man. That's not what, he wants you to manage your calendar. Steward your calendar because if you don't schedule it, it don't get done. But when he leads us to do something, we make that our top priority and we eliminate all the other stuff that competes for the time that he's asking for. We've got to surrender our calendars to him. Now, what about your talents? You say, listen, I use what God's given me to take care of my family. I get that. I hope you're good at your job. I hope you enjoy what you do. There's nothing wrong with that, but how do you use what you know and what you can do to advance the kingdom? Not just pay the bills. How are you serving other people with your talent? How are you serving the church? Some of, you are, some of you are gifted in areas that this church desperately needs. I've had two conversations with two different sets of people this week who have identified, and I love these conversations, both a need in our church and a solution. Love that. And, and this, they, they said, this is what we do every day in our businesses, and we want to do it for the church. Or this is what I'm the best at. I've been doing this for a long time. I want to I do this in our church. Love it. They said, let us, help, let us help make this place even better. Love it. And I can tell you, this church is going to be blessed by their talents and by their experience and by their willingness to surrender those gifts for the benefit of others. Here's an example. Makes it really easy to see, I think. We've had some mechanics come through here over the years, uh, none of these, at least a couple of these guys are not here anymore. One of them said, one of them said, hey, pastor, these people in this church are driving me crazy, asking me questions about their cars, wanting me to fix stuff for them. Okay. Two other, two other guys have, have come to me and said, pastor, do you know anybody in the church who needs their car fixed? Because God's blessed me to know how to do that, and I just love to help people out. Which one do you think was living a life of surrender when it comes to their talent? First guy left the church. Left the church. You got talents too. The, I know that because scripture said he gave one to you, to everybody. And, and we also know where they came from, from the Father. Every one of you has a talent, a gift, an ability. This is, way beyond, this is way beyond people who can sing or teach or preach. Can we just set those aside? We, we've worn them things out. I get it. We, got, we need people who can sing and play and preach and teach. I get that. But we need people who can just talk to people. You don't have to be loud. You don't have to be the center of attention. Maybe you, your ability is just talking to people one-on-one, quietly, having like real-life conversation with people. We need people who like to make stuff. We need people who like to cook stuff. We need people who like to organize things, who like to decorate 
things, who like to make people feel at home. We need people who like to clean. Every one of you has something that you're good at. Something you, but something you also enjoy. And something that can be used for other people. So will you surrender it to him? Or are you going to control it by yourself and for yourself? But here's, here's the truth. You cannot be in control and in God's will at the same time. And that's for any area of your life. Paul said it very clearly. We died. And our life is now hidden with Christ in God. We died. All the old things were washed away. Everything became new. Everything we have, everything we are, everything we will be is in him and because of him and for him. You cannot retain control and be in God's will at the same time. Everything you have, everything you are is a gift. And we have to return those gifts back to him. If we're going to be like Jesus, we've got to surrender everything we have authority over, everything we have responsibility over, like our time, our talent, our treasures. We've got to surrender. So why don't you ask him how you're doing in managing those areas? What do you need to let go of? What do you need to release control of? That's the question you've got to ask yourself. Y'all stand with me, please. I'm done. I guess the question to ask yourself is not whether it's hard to deal with, but whether it's the truth or not. And I've got no doubt in my mind this is straight out of the Word. And I, don't think it, I don't, really don't think anybody else does either. But it's not easy. It's not easy. But I'm telling you, Jesus promised us life, an abundant life. Right? Y'all remember that? What did the enemy do? Steal, kill, destroy. We're letting him do that in these areas over which we claim to have control, but we don't. The path to abundant life is through surrender. And that's what I want for myself and for my family, and I want for you. So they're going to sing a song, and then we'll be dismissed in a few minutes. But take the next three or four minutes to start this conversation, because it's going to be a lot longer than a three or four-minute conversation. Start the conversation with the Lord. Humble yourself. Repent of control. Humble yourself and ask him what it is you're supposed to do with the truth that you heard this morning. Okay? And then, I, don't, I shouldn't have to say it, but I'm going to say it. And then do it. Because I've known some stuff for a long time that I hadn't been doing that I'm doing now. And I want to invite you to do the same thing. Father, thank you for your word. And I thank you for your truth. And I thank you that, um, that, you, that you tell us things that we need to know for our own good. And I pray that you give us strength. Give us the strength and the courage to uh, humble ourselves and to repent of our sins of control. 
And I pray that you'd help us to surrender everything and every area of our lives to you. And help us to, be, uh, to hear clearly and to obey quickly and courageously. Because we know that everything you have for us is for our good. And I pray that you help us to find that in you today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. We pray that you have been blessed and inspired by today's Covenant Living broadcast. To find out more information about our ministry, just visit our website at www.covenantlifewestga.org. You can find this video there on our homepage. Just click the YouTube button and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. And give us a call at 770-537-3747. That's 770-537-3747. At Covenant Life, our mission is to go and make disciples by being real, relational, and reaching. Be sure to join us next week for more Covenant Living with Pastor John Butler.